to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local producers reach their fullest potential. For over 40 years, Marketed Choice has been supporting our local farmers, ranchers, fisher folk, and entrepreneurs. We believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we are proud to offer over 7,000 local products and even more now to our stores and that the majority of our purchases support our robust regional food system. Thanks, Sarah. And thanks, Market of Choice. We're so into you right now. I know. I added the and even more part. I know. Good. Good ad. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Masoni and Marshall, (laughs) Meaningful Marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni. We're glad that everyone has joined us live today. We're honoring our social distancing and each calling in for the show. As we're a live radio show, we think it's important for us to be here with tips and love and discussion and stories of hope from all our food friends out there. Uh, I do have uh, food news today, but it's actually from me, which is funny. (laughs) We didn't get any um, submissions from any food buddies out there, but um, I wanted to talk about a launch of a new product that I have. Um, We did a new sauce and it's called Charred Chive Dulce Sauce. And we are Mm. using, seaweed that I actually found out about from you, Sarah, at the Food Innovation Center a few years ago. I went to one of the um, crop up dinners that you guys had and you guys were making stuff with seaweed. And so um, I was introduced to this seaweed. It's a superfood that's harvested here in Oregon. So it's this beautiful purple seaweed. And we got a bunch of that from Chuck, who's the seaweed farmer, and, Mm and we dehydrated it. And so I felt like it was a good beginning of our um, conversation we're going to have later today with our guests because we're going to talk all things dehydrating. Mm. So um, that thought, that launch, soft launch was super successful, which is awesome. We sold all of our sauce that we sold to the Heatness, which is who we made it with. Um, but if local people want it, I still have bottles available. So I wanted to mention it that people can DM me on Instagram and I can do porch drops to you if you are interested in trying our, our new sauce. Yeah, I saw you, some of your pork shop um, photos on Instagram this week. Yeah. And it looks like some of your pork shops come with personalized 
drawings and special little <laughs> cards <laughs> all kinds of things well i feel like we're just trying to bring people as much joy right now as we can because it's hard for people to be stuck at home and you know where i'm so social and i i would normally just give people hugs and i can't do that so i'm like waving from the porch and leaving them you know drawings from adeline and dirk has these um cat card stickers he likes to put in everybody's bag and they'll go through and pick ones for each person that that gets it so we're just trying to bring some light into people's lives right now <laughs> yeah i have a little food news the food okay. innovation center and the oregon berry commission donated some berries to vitaly paley who is preparing meals for first responders oh so cool. yeah that's pretty cool so i think they got some different strawberries and blackberries and marionberries and stuff like that and he's gonna whip up something delicious That's and did so you know awesome. on friday afternoons at five you can watch vitaly and kimberly in their kitchen on instagram live oh i saw that he's doing like cooking segments on there yeah i watched one and he cooked peas that's so cool <laughs> so I, I, I think you make with frozen peas yeah I think it's driving all of the, um, you know, chefs and, and people that cook for people all the time a little crazy to not have all these guests in their lives to cook for. So they're like, I'm still going to cook, but I'm just going to do it for you live, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, that was really cool. I enjoyed that. And it's probably a way that people can interact with those chefs a little bit more because usually they're back in the kitchen and you can't really see what they're doing. And so now you can see them doing these live videos, which is really cool. Yeah, it is That's awesome. Cool. If you're a food entrepreneur and you have any press releases for us to talk about, it can be food news, events, products, awards, anything you want, um, we will talk about it. So just go to startupradionetwork.com and let us know what you want us to talk about. We have a special guest on the phone today. We're joined by Ashley Lancy of Fernway Food Company. Fernway Foods is a local Portland company focused on bringing new concepts to the adventure foods market with bulk dehydrated foods, low impact packaging, and sustainable outdoor meal kits. How'd I do, mm -hmm. Ashley? Did I describe you well? That was great. Yeah, I nailed it. I would say that's that's like definitely my talking point. So uh, you can start doing my pitches for me and really take that off my plate. I'll be your uh, professional introducer anytime you need me to. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I well, need we're, that. We're so glad that you joined us today. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So that our listeners can connect with you. What's a good way for people to find you online and social media stuff? Yeah, definitely more active on Instagram. So we're at Fernway Food Co, F-E-R-N-W-E-H Food Co. Um, and then a little bit on Facebook as well. Uh, that's that's about it. We are on like, we have a Twitter and we have like LinkedIn, but I'm not super active on those, but they exist if that's how you prefer to connect. <laughs> Otherwise, just email and we have a website uh, for mefoodco.com and you can shop online there. Cool. Well, um, I want to start by talking about your name. So can you tell us about the name of the company and what it means? Yeah, so Fernway is a German word. It's like a it's like German wanderlust. It's a, like a far longing, like a, a an ache in your heart for places that you've never been to, but you've always wanted to go visit. Um, and it just really resonated with me. Like I like the alliteration of like Fernway Food Co. It just kind of rolls well, but also it's just beautiful imagery. Um, and we're also able to with that idea of like Fernway taking like the fern part of it and use. Um, 
like a fern in our logo. And so that kind of ties us to the Pacific Northwest. And so it just works in a lot of different ways, but it also speaks to like my heart. I have like crazy wanderlust. I'm like, a since I found out I could travel, um, it's like, been my goal always it's like every year what trips are we doing like while i'm on a trip i'm always planning the next trip i'm going to go on so do you, know, do you know that song i love to go wandering along the mountain path <laughs> yeah, but i need to look this up who sings this wait can you I keep singing it <laughs> no it's like a super old song you should know that song i know okay, i'll I think look it up now when you're on your adventures i hope that sarah's singing is within your head <laughs> just like hiking along and singing seriously so i'm like i don't know who sings this Sarah's funny. <laughs> yeah we'll get we'll get you the lyrics i'll teach you the song Perfect. you guys can have okay. a music class together <laughs> i do have a ukulele that i've been dying to learn i, I kept saying like once i have time i'll learn this ukulele and now we have all this well who knows theoretically we have all this time which i don't have any time but <laughs> I could pick that up and you could sing along. <laughs> yeah, are you musical? No, I'm a music lover. I am not musically talented. I sing in the shower and that's about it. So, mm. but, <laughs> so what did you do before you started your food company? A lot of things. I I have dabbled in so many things over the year, uh, over the years. So I went to school for hospitality management, which uh, I wanted to, to really go into events, which I did end up going into. But um, as part of the program, I had to take like four semesters of cooking classes, which oh. at the time I was sort of resentful for. I'm like, why am I paying to take all these cooking classes? I don't want to do this, but it was part of the curriculum. And now I'm so thankful because I really like know my way like around a kitchen much more than I would have otherwise. So uh, moved to Portland, got into market research, obviously with a hospitality background. Um, went from that to guiding bicycling and hiking trips, then came back, got into um, doing like bicycle sales. I worked for Ruby Jewel doing their events and marketing, worked for oh. Hopworks doing events and marketing. I just kind of bounced around. And so when I came into this business, I felt like I, I had a base level understanding of a lot of different parts of the business just from having done all these different things. Um, but what really happened is like, I just really don't like working for for people. And I've always found myself kind of working usually under like strong opinion males and that just didn't vibe with me. So uh, <laughs> when I got laid off from my last job, it, it felt like a blessing because I was just kind of hating going in there. I had like a supervisor who just like was horrible and um, and I was just ready to do something for myself. And I kind of planned on doing something with the backpacking food mm -hmm. on my own, just as like a side hustle for friends. Um, so when I had this time and this opportunity, I signed up for a Mercy Corps class uh, and just decided to to give it a shot. I mean, why not? No, when, when life provides you an opening in your schedule and you have an idea, like, why not chase it? So did you do the um, Foundations of Business program? I did. Yeah, I did I that too. Did. I love it. I recommend it to anybody who's even thinking about doing a, a business. Was Bill your teacher? No. Um, 
I can't remember the woman's name. I probably okay. have it written down somewhere, but she was really the, sweet. All the instructors are, are good. They do a really good job there. Um, but when I did it, I had Bill, but that was a number of years ago. You know, but I really love it. It's a good way to get focused. Same. And then I love that they do that IDA grant program. And um, did, you you do, also, did you do the IDA program? I applied for it, but I didn't qualify. And then I got oh. married, so my income changed. And so I wasn't... I didn't qualify for it any longer, I guess. So, um, but yeah, I, but I stayed in touch with a bunch of people in my class who did get it and I'm excited for them. Now they're at the point where some of them are getting like their laser cutters and different parts that, you know, things that we had talked about in the class and it's neat to see them being able to like, like live their dream. I don't know. I, one of the, my favorite parts of that class, and then I moved into the angel food from that class. But one of the best parts has been like all these connections, like all the other entrepreneurs you meet along the way. And you, I just feel like I built such a nice little network of um, people to talk to and to commiserate with and to support. And it's just such a if nothing else, like being an entrepreneur can be very lonely and isolating and coming from a place where I always worked with other people. Um, it was nice being able to like once a week go in and be able to talk with other people. I, I just loved that about those programs. Yeah, I think and, and, and learning. <laughs> I, I think it's a really great, great way to build community and connect with people and the people that I mean, I took my class 10 years ago now, and I'm still buddies with a lot of the people that I took the class with. And even though they do totally different things, but, um, you know, still support each other and see each other at events. And um, it's, it's really cool. I, I recommend it to anybody that wants to start a business. And it doesn't have to be that program specifically, but I think the small business classes really help you to connect with people. I just yeah. like to say that Oregon and the Portland and all around the rural areas of Oregon, we're so unique in that we have built this ecosystem of all these support systems for the small businesses. It's, I don't think it's like that anywhere else. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's really nice that we that we have that kind of community going on. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I love so it. I was sleuthing you, Ashley. I totally saw that you recently were married in Utah. Yeah. Uh, you tried to, like, get married under this beautiful, like, rock thing, and then they said, sorry, you can't. <laughs> yeah, my life is built on failures that just leverage me into other places that maybe I'm meant to be, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, failure is a friend of mine, I would say. Um, but yeah, so we we had planned, we got engaged on a backpacking trip in Arizona. That's just kind of our jam, obviously, like with the food and everything. Um, and so when we were on that trip, we didn't have service or anything. And so we had kind of talked about like, okay, we have like these three days to just be engaged, just the two of us, what do we want to do? And so we, we always kind of knew we wanted to do an adventure wedding for not that we don't love our family. We do, but there's just drama that comes along with family. And we're like, Oh, if we do a backpacking trip. That'll kind of like, not so many family members. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> like, I'm invited, but I can't go. <laughs> yeah. And so it was, it was nice to be able to do this. So anyway, so we were like, all right, we're going to go. We like got on Instagram and we we're just like looking for beautiful images. And we found this place, you know, fast forward, we have 14 of our friends in a van. We're like driving, we're hiking in this Canyon. And we knew that we were like two or three people over the amount that are supposed to be on a permit. 
Like we knew that. So we just applied for two permits and we're like, you know what? It's our wedding. Hopefully they'll be lenient for us. And so we get down there and like we wake up our first morning and a ranger comes up and he's like, nope, absolutely not. Your group's too big. And on top of it, do you have your permit to get married down here? We're like, oh, we left the license in the car because we didn't want it to get like ruined. But he's like, no, you need a permit to get married down here. And like in all our research, we had never seen anything about like a permit to get married in um, in this area. And so he was like, you have, you can get married right now in your pajamas, like pre-coffee, pre-anything. Um, or you can split up your group and we're going to like hike you out. And he's like, if we come back and you haven't split up your group and we catch you getting married, we're going to find you and walk you out. And they're like the rangers that have the guns and stuff. They're like the serious <laughs> rangers. You want to so, them for sure. Did you try and give them some, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you try and bribe him with eggplant? Um, <laughs> no, he was so mean. He was so mean. His quote was, I'll never forget this. So he was like, don't worry. Weddings are so supposed to be stressful. So I'm just doing you a favor. And I was like, I hate you. <laughs> but we made a song about him. So we were like, so we split up our group. We continued our backpacking trip and we ended up getting married someplace way more beautiful. But like on the trip, we came up with like our buddy, Brian came up with this song. He's like, Ranger voice, you had the choice to use your voice, and you use it to say no, no, no. So that was <laughs> like, like, <laughs> um, but so yeah, so our, our plan B, which we came up with when we were off the trail, was this state park in St. George called Snow Canyon. If you've never been, it's so beautiful. It's so much more beautiful. There was no one out there. We got up in the morning. We just like hiked out onto this petrified dune and it was, it was beautiful. It was so nice. I was showered, you know, like there was things about it that were just like a little bit more perfect, but it's just funny. These things you build up to be what's going to be the most perfect situation for this iconic moment. And, and it's all wrong. And then you just stumble into something that ends up being just so perfect. And so yeah. I'm really I thankful. The picture was amazing. I was like, um, Oh, I like this picture way better with those rocks. Like, in the back did you did you bring all of the food for your wedding party that from your company we did and it was fun so yeah so my friends came over we did because it's a lot of you know at that point I only had one dehydrator I was still like working through recipes and so a bunch of friends came over before the trip and we all prepped together and like they all helped me kind of get everything ready for it so it was really nice but yeah we had Southwest stew, actually all of them, all the ones we carry now. That's what we ended up serving people for like dinners and breakfast. And and we did like, you know, we brought like charcuterie and whatever. So we we did some other special things, but but the main meals were our meals. Can you tell us about now? Yeah, now that becomes part of your every time you enjoy them and your friends enjoy them, they remember that time and place, which is really cool. That's like my favorite thing about preserving is like you take this moment and you're putting it, you're, you know, you're putting your love and your energy into it. And then um, you remember it forever, you know, and with that specific instance of you enjoying this meal with your friends, you can then recreate that with all of your meals, you know, yeah. not only that they tell a friend and then they go, that friend tells two friends and then they tell two friends. And then pretty soon, <laughs> you know, that meeting of all those 14 people turns into a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. 
Can you tell us, tell us about your food that you're making? So you have a, a variety. I looked on your website as Sarah did as well. And we were just curious, can you tell us about each of the food items? Yeah, so so we kind of ended up branching into two lines. We have like snacks, like local seasonal dehydrated snacks, and that's like constantly rotating depending on what we can get from local farms. And so um, for that right now, we've got like eggplant bacon, um, which is like uh, Asian eggplant cut really thin and marinated and then dehydrated till it's crispy. I'm not a huge fan of eggplant normally, but when you like it's a sponge, right? Like it's such a good sponge for flavor. And when you dehydrate it, it just gets so crispy and snappy, like real bacon. Um, we've got really good apples. Um, they're kind of, and then that's kind of fun. Right? Not, it's like the end of apple season. So we're getting like um, Crimson Crisp from Kiyokawa. I think that's how you say it out mm -hmm. in the gorge. And then also from Draper Girls, we're getting some different like mountain rose. So they've got that beautiful pink on the inside. And so that's kind of rotating right now, but those are delicious. Some pears. Um, and yeah, this week we're trying, uh, I was able to get cauliflower from uh, Blue Check Produce. And so we did cauliflower popcorn with Old Bay. I'm an East Coaster, so like I love Old Bay. So we did like an Old Bay uh, cauliflower popcorn. And um, what I'm really excited about, I'm sending it to a couple of friends to taste this week, but we did um, rhubarbs in season now. So beautiful, this beautiful like neon pink rhubarb almost uh with strawberries uh they're in california unfortunately but hoods will come in soon and we're doing like a um a dessert our first dessert so it is strawberry rhubarb with like coconut milk powder and coconut sugar and cinnamon and cardamom and then i get local gluten-free granola from um, lydia who does like yes juice club and cooking house and so it's her granola on top so it's like a nice little crumble um so that's kind of like the snacks. And then the meals, which is like our other line, um, we have our mushroom pot pie, which is like our top seller. It's uh, what people love about it, it has these gluten-free biscuits that go on top. Uh, so the meal itself is a coconut cream and potato. I should say all our meals are and all our snacks are plant-based and gluten-free. And we try to avoid uh, soy whenever possible. Basically, we only use it for roasting a couple of things, just a vegetable oil that does have some soy in it. Um, but yeah, so the, the mushroom pot pie, our top seller, is uh, coconut cream, potatoes, carrots, onions, celery, cremini mushrooms. And then you put these little biscuits back on top after it's cooked for a little while. And it steams into like a pie crust on top of your meal. And so people love that. Then we have a Southwest stew, um, roasted sweet potatoes, uh, green peppers and onions and a chipotle tomato sauce with seasoned black beans. And that one's nice. You can eat as is. You can make it dry and make it as like a breakfast hash, have it as a like a burrito. And then um, we just have the three. Our third one is a breakfast dish. It is our sweet potato breakfast bowl. This one's fun because we powder sweet potatoes, chickpeas, chia, and bananas. Um, so it reconstitutes super quick as like a porridge, but then it's sweetened with dates and toasted coconut and toasted pecans and strawberries. Um, no added sweeteners, just like some cinnamon. And so it's just a really hearty, like will fill you up on the trail way more than oatmeal ever could and keeps you really satisfied for hours. And it comes together as quick as your coffee. So if you need like a quick morning breakfast just to get on the trail, it just hits the spot. That's so cool. I I um, found you originally because my friend Nikki from 
Amica Farms with taking over your Instagram. And yeah. um, she is a local farmer. Um, she might be at the PSU market this year. I'm not sure, but she definitely does the Woodstock Farmers Market is where I always see her. But um, but that's how I found you. And then once I was kind of looking into what you did, I really admire your commitment to sustainability and packaging. And so I just wanted to have you tell our listeners about that a little bit, because I think it's really, I know it's not easy to make that kind of commitment. So can you talk to us about it a little bit? Yeah, well, when I knew I wanted to start this company, um, I had come from Hopworks and they are big on sustainability too. And I just learned a lot about um, just a lot of different methods that you can be sustainable and about like B Corp and all those kinds of things. So when I started my own company, I was like, I like that mission. Like, I don't want to go in and just be another food company. And also, just like when you are on the trail, it's it's funny. So Pickathon is a local festival and they yeah. are big on, like I always volunteer with them and they're big on micro trash. So micro trash has already been in my brain for like forever, like 10 years now. And so whenever I go hiking and I'm like micro trash, micro trash, micro trash. And I just like have to pick it up because it's built in my brain from volunteering with Pickathon. Can you so, explain that? What is micro trash? Uh, micro trash is the tiny pieces that come off your trash, like the corner of your bag. Like when you open a granola bar or something and that corner you rip off, the little piece that like flies away and disappears, the the piece oh. of plastic that chips off something. Like it's all those little tiny pieces that just kind of end up in the woods. And that those are the things that like never really break down or that animals can get their hands on and it just becomes problematic in the wilderness they so eat it. yeah or nest in it and it's a choking hazard for their little like babies it's just like the like in the ocean like when they they catch fish and they cut up their tummies and they have like plastic bags in there or whatever that's so sad yeah, yeah it's it's a it's an issue right and so so there was all these things coming into it. And I just knew I wanted to be a better company than that. And um, so it's been like top line of the mission statement from day one is like packaging has to be better. And it sucks right now. Like there really aren't a lot of options. Like it's getting better, but not fast enough and not affordable enough for people to be able to make it as an easy choice. Like you have to make it part of your mission statement for it to be worth it because it's expensive. It's hard to source. The information that's out there on what is available is confusing and convoluted. And unless you have like a, a chemical or scientific background, it just takes so long. It's exhausting to research. Like I spent months getting samples and then asking questions about everything that I got and be like, well, what does that mean? Or like having to Google search what that means and then Google search the words in describing what that means. It's just, there's, I don't know. It, we're just also as consumers, we expect everything to be instantaneous, shelf stable and available when we want it. And to be able to do that, it just requires a lot of resources. So there's like PLA, right? So that's the um, the corn-based one. But with that, like it's a lot of water and energy to grow the corn. Then you have to trans like pick all the corn that requires energy and fossil fuels. So then that corn has to be transported to a facility where it becomes processed. That requires a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And so then even when it breaks down, it has to be in specific places or it doesn't actually work. 
And so the system is broken from top to bottom for for sustainable options. And I just got to a point where I just I couldn't find anything. So I was like, I'm just going to use reusable. And like, not that that's the best, because if people don't reuse them, it's just as bad, but at least provide an option. And I like what a lot of companies are starting to do now, like um, like Amilk and other companies like that, um, Loop where they provide things in reusable packaging that you wash and return and it becomes a more cyclical kind of environment for that um and that's kind of our end goal is to be able to provide food and meals and snacks in reusable packaging but when you're small it's just you don't have the money to do it it's hard to buy (laughs) yeah hey i saw that you have your stuff in like muslin or cotton bags with your logo printed on there and then i saw also on your frequently asked questions can i cook my food in my bag yeah that's um so most backpacking food comes in foil lined usually single use you can save them and wash them <laughs> and cook in them again if you make your own foods or like yeah. heat our foods in it um so so ours, when we when we f- figured out, like, there's no great option. And it's funny because we came back to it and we had to find an option that was the best of the worst. And that's where we're at now. But when we started, I was like, OK, let's find a reusable option. So we we have these cotton muslin bags. They're food safe. Um, we had to, like, work with our ODA officer. And he was like, here's all the sticking points I see with this packaging. Like, it's not shelf stable. If it gets wet, it can be spoiled. Like, how are you going to handle all this? And so we kind of worked out a way where I was, I literally package every order to order. Like, if you say, you know, at the farmer's market, you came up and you're like, I would like, you know, uh, let's use um, Amika. Like, I use their, um, their watermelon. So you get their watermelon. I had to package it in the bag and I hand it over immediately. And I'm like, now it's on you. Like I packaged it safely. And so now it's on you. Um, and then when I ship it, I had to have these compostable airtight bags that I package it in so that they are like, they're not going to get wet or ruined along the way. And so there was just a lot of problems with that and being able to grow with that kind of packaging right now. Um, so hey, I got I, a question for you on the packaging. Yeah. So down on campus, there's a woman named Dr. Yanyun Zhao, and she does um, films, edible films from pumice. So like when you make wine, for instance, you have all the skins and stuff. They've figured out a way to take those and grind them up and emulsify them and create films. Cool. Um, if you were able to have a film made from a pumice of like could be apple skins or whatever, would you be interested in like having that as your package and people would just throw that whole thing into a pot of water? That's so interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, that kind of blows my mind right now. Yeah, I'd be super interested (laughs) in trying something out like that. That's really cool. Because maybe but, since you're so small, that it would be like a good collaborative, like you could be like a beta tester or something. Yeah, yeah. I would love that. Please, let's make okay. that connection. I'll connect you. Thank yeah, you. that would be really cool. It would fit along with all the stuff that you do. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I get a little like, I'm passionate. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that's good though. I mean, yeah, it shows it that you're doing what you should be doing, you know, yeah. like you care about this. And so it's not just like you're creating something that you're like, Oh, I want to do this thing. Like it's really what's important to you. And so it's really great. You see that shine from you, you know? Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's important. I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard though. Right. Like, uh, it's hard, but you it's, can sell it when you're passionate about it. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, because you get people excited. Should we go to break? Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about food preservation. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. Well, Ashley, I really want to talk about the food preservation piece because I love dehydrating. I love canning, all of those things. It's like my love languages. And I have mm -hmm. a movie recommendation for you. Okay, got my pen ready. What is the recommendation? So there's a movie called Little Forest. And it's a Korean movie that, that just came out. And my husband had me watch it. He has a, um, a movie podcast called VHS. And he um, shows people a movie that's similar to their job or their work. So he showed me the movie and then interviewed me about it so you can you can hear that podcast but i think that you will love the movie because okay. it's all about um it's it's just a very beautiful movie i think especially to see right now because it's um it's beautiful it's calm it's about food preservation it's about cooking for the people that you love and i think you'll just dig it so i want you to watch that movie <laughs> oh i love it do you know how um how to find it is like where to where I mean, I think be. you can, yeah, I think you'd find it on any kind of, I mean, okay. you know, it's pretty readily available, but it is a Korean film. Um, so make sure to watch it on, you know, where you can see the subtitles. <laughs> yeah. Watch it on your phone or something. <laughs> but I oh think my God. I really, really like it. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. that. As you know, I think everyone is watching more TV these days. So recommendations are appreciated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think you'll really connect to it. And have you always been into um, dehydrating and, and preserving food or did it just come from, from doing all the backpacking? Uh, it mostly, well, I guess it, it officially started when I was really into doing like vegan raw diets and things like that, where I was uh, like once a year, I would just kind of, I would call it like my yearly cleanse. I would just kind of eat vegan raw for like 10 days and just feel amazing. And then realize it was so unsustainable <laughs> to eat that way because all you do is cook. Um, but my roommate at the time, she had a dehydrator. So I got really into like sprouting grains and making crackers and um, I don't know, just having fun with the textures that you can get from food. And I just, I always find it so amazing that it's like shrink rang food, you know, like you put, you have this, like all these carrots and you put them in and you're like, Oh, I'm going to eat this for like four days. And you pull it out and you're like, Oh, that's one snack. Um, and so I just, I really loved that. But then moving into kind of backpacking more and, um, biking and things like that, it was just nice to be able to, uh, have your own food. And it, I started by just like dehydrating leftovers. Like I was like, oh, I have all these leftovers. I'll just dehydrate this too. So um, that's how the meals really began. Um, and then figuring out what worked, what didn't work. Like some things just need different times in meals. Like 
you know, I've found it like beans and things like that. They, they just get too hard if you dehydrate them at the same time, all the moisture is. And so they, you just kind of like these hard rock peas in your food and stuff and then navigating all that. But that was about six years ago that the, the feel like the food part of it started happening instead of just being like, Oh, I'm vegan wrong. And I do this. So I can have live food. So do you have a favorite thing to dehydrate? Uh, no, I don't know. I think every time it's like an adventure. I think that's what I like about it, that every time I'm always, especially with like new things, I'm always like, oh, I'm so curious. And I always like, you know, pull the top off and I'm like looking in at like two hours and then I like set an alarm and I come back two more hours like, oh my God, like a little beginning or like, you know, pulling them along the way and testing textures. And um, like, I love how, you know what? I take that back. The water, like, the watermelon with mint and lime is actually so good. It's like a jolly rancher that's good for you. That's my absolute favorite. And like getting it from um, Amika Farm and from Nikki, like, I just like, I love her. Like, love yeah. her. She makes the best produce. She's so supportive and amazing. And on top of it, the the product that comes out of it all is so good. So in the end, that is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how you set up your kitchen and your dehydrators and all that? How complicated was that? Um, I got really lucky. My friend Chad owns 50 Licks and I met with him early on just because I, I, when I first met Chad, he was just starting that company. And so, um, you know, it's been many years now, 10 years, I guess, and that he's been doing that. And so, I just kind of reached out to him. I'm like, tell me all the things. And he connected me with this woman, Lydia. She used to do pure juice. Uh, she has like cooking house and, um, I just love her. She's like creative and kooky and all the best things. And she just kind of got me and got my vision. And she had this space, uh, this kitchen space in the basement of cooking house that she was just juicing in, um, occasionally. And so she, she just gave me this room. And so I have like half a kitchen space. I have all my dehydrators lined up on shelving. And then I've got a ton of storage and refrigerator space. And she's just really flexible with like being able to run them, which would be hard in most commercial kitchen spaces. Um, but because it's basically just me and her in there, she just gives me all this freedom to be able to play and work with that. And then we we help each other. Like I'm using her granola and she's going to start putting my um, products in her boxes, that, like her produce boxes that she's delivering. And I take her photos for her, for her website and, you know, and she feeds me. <laughs> so it's cool. It's, I yeah, it's a be great space. in the kitchen next door when she was at the Pittman building. And so it was really funny to be neighbors with Lydia because she is she just has so much to give and so much energy. And so sometimes we would run next door to be like, you know, we need to borrow something or whatever or, or ask a question. And she would be like kickboxing upstairs or doing yoga or like whatever. She's always got like a ton of stuff going on. But it's really ah. fun. She's a really wonderful person and, and just has this creative energy that's awesome yeah that's really cool she's got a lot of love like yeah. a lot of love to give and she wears her heart on her sleeve and i i just i like her and i admire her and i i just am very appreciative of what she's been able to help me do so we um know you that you have a commitment to to local farms do you have any um favorite farms that you want to mention 
in addition to Nikki and Amika, I also love Urban Acre. Um, they're like a little homestead out in East Portland, and she just grows really great greens. And so I think I sent you guys some of her, the Asian-inspired chard, and that's from her garden. So I really, I like her greens a lot, and she's just a really wonderful human. And then Charlie at Blue Track Produce is always, like, helping me out last minute. Um, and right now, if you can get his rhubarb, it is so gorgeous. It's the most beautiful thick, juicy rhubarb I've ever worked with. Um, so yeah, I'm appreciative. Those are like my three favorites, I would say. Cool. That's and cool. we'll, um, we'll do a post and tag everybody that we've talked about so people can find them as well. Cause we like That's to nice. connect everybody that we can. Yeah. Um, yeah you, but if other farmers are listening and they would like <laughs> to work with me, please reach out. I always want to like find new farms to work with, especially if they have something that they're like, Oh, we do this thing and it's really beautiful or really unique or, um, or we have too much of this. I'm always happy to take stuff off people's hands if they just have an overabundance or if it's like a little damaged, like because the dehydrator doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> it'll think, it'll shrink it away. I think <laughs> if you do the farmers market, that will happen for you a lot more. I mean, that's what happens for me is like at the end of the day, I buy a lot of my produce at the end of the market because people will just come and be like, I brought you know. 70 extra pounds of tomatillos do you want them and i'm like uh yeah i do totally i'll take them home right now so it'll yeah. it'll more of that will come as you do more of those markets with everybody yeah which is really nice so you mentioned uh raw diet so are all of your items dehydrated below 118 degrees uh, so unfortunately, due to uh, food safety standards, uh, they recommended that I don't dehydrate anything under 140 degrees, so that I always oh. keep things at like food safety temperatures. So everything's at 140 or above, depending on what the item is. So, uh, so th with that, it's like a little adjustment with times here and there. Like, okay, well, the temperature's a little bit higher, so let's try to do it for a little less time or you know so it, it's always fine-tuning on the weekends i always bring a dehydrator i only have enough to <laughs> one day i will have more than i need but right now so i like unplug a dehydrator from the kitchen i take it home on the weekends and i work on recipes on the weekends when i'm not too tired <laughs> um, and so that's like a thing favorite, i play with do you have a favorite dehydrator um i use an excaliburs uh it's yeah. just when I bought my first on my, I started with the Nesco Snack Master. That was my, um, my roommates and it was great. It worked really well for, for being like basic. But then once we bought our own to start doing our own backpacking meals, I just really like the Excalibur. It feels like a deep overall. I mean, none are perfect, but it dehydrates pretty evenly throughout. Like I've now figured out which trays I need to put a little less on or make it a little bit thinner depending on what I'm doing, but it's, it's solid. And, um, they're easy to fix. Like one of my timers broke, um, on one of them and we emailed Excalibur and they sent us a piece and my husband fixed it for me at yeah. home, which was so nice to not be like down and out of dehydrator for more than like a week. So you yeah, may have already nice. figured this out, but one of the tricks, uh, like more of a food science -y trick for dehydrating is that you start actually at a higher temperature. So you could start at like 175 or even 200 degrees. And if you have a um, thermometer with uh, like one of those cords, you can set it in the center of the dehydrator and a piece of the food. 
And as soon as it hits that uh, 140 temp, then you drop the temperature down. So it'll speed up your dehydration process. That's cool. Yeah, so you might try that. Maybe yeah. it's only two hours that you have it or an hour at that higher temperature. Yeah. But it'll speed up um, the amount of time you need in the dehydrator. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for that but tip. Sarah always has good tips. Those are weird <laughs> tips yeah. like that. <laughs> She's Random. full of them. I love it. Uh, so do you sell mostly direct or do you do any wholesale? Uh, well, I, I am looking to get into some wholesale, but probably pretty small to start. Um, I didn't have shelf stable packaging and I'm still kind of maneuvering that. So, um, I found this company tech pack. This is who I'm moving forward with. They make this like omni degradable packaging. Um, so it, it's supposed to break down. It takes a little bit longer, but it's supposed to break down like in any climate, in water, in soil, in swamps, in garbage, in compost. It's just, it's supposed to be, and from their videos and the information they give you, seems like the most versatile and like eco-friendly available now, whatever that means. Um, so I finally have shelf-stable packaging. I'm um, getting, I'm working with the company right now to get my labels hopefully by mid-May. Um, and so I'll finally be able to be on shelves. Uh, but moving forward just with the meals right now, if that seems to go well, I'll probably find a way to move forward with the snacks, um, maybe as something for grocery, but uh, the meals hopefully for, you know, maybe one or two grocery stores in Portland area, but, um, you know, like hopefully next adventure actually foster outdoor has already signed up to buy three cases of each of our meals once we get the packaging so people can get our food at foster outdoor once it's ready uh so i'm so excited for that they, that's another great store if you're into the outdoors at all foster outdoor they just opened they're celebrating their one-year anniversary coming up but the guy mike is just like really supportive they have a used gear section they're great so check them out so is the best way for now um, to get your products is definitely from your website if people aren't local, but um, you're doing some farmer's markets right now too. So can you tell people where to come find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's So the most steady one is every other week, we're gonna be at Montevilla Farmer's Market starting next weekend. So May 3rd, which is crazy that May is next week. Um, so starting in May, every other week through the season, we'll be at Montevilla Farmer's Market. We're at PSU this weekend and through May. And then we signed up for Shemansky, but with the current situation, I'm not sure if that's going to be a really great fit for us, but we'll be at Shemansky through June. Cool. Well, we, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no one knows exactly what's going to happen, but that's where people can hopefully try to find you. Um, yeah. We just have a little bit of time left, so we like to ask if you have any advice for um, new businesses or people thinking about starting a business. I yeah, I I mean, I would say sign up for classes. It's great for giving you tips on things you don't know because there is so much you don't realize you don't know when you start a business. Um, and, you know, kind of having that basic understanding. And it also gives you that community that we talked about earlier, too. Um, and then I would say, don't be afraid to fail. There is 
so much failure on the way to success. Um, luckily, there are a lot of podcasts on how to manage failure because um, it is hard. It, 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 it takes its toll on you to like day in and day out, like try your hardest and feel like you never get anywhere or just that everything's a setback. But just it, it teaches you, you know, you have to change your mind frame and be like, okay, this isn't something that's bringing me down. It's something that's building me up. It's something that I know this didn't work or this thing isn't possible or I need to find a way to make this possible. So um, I, I think that's a big part of starting too. I think that's good advice for people. Very good. I, I have a podcast recommendation for you since you're just starting um, farmer's markets. There's some ladies out of San Diego that do a podcast called farmer's market pros. And okay. so they have all different guests on that give you information about doing a market. So anything that could come up, you know, you might be ready for <laughs> since there's all kinds yeah. of things that happen. Are they on iTunes, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. You can find them on iTunes. It's just called okay. farmer's market pros. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, a great. So, uh, I have so many little notes here from the podcast. <laughs> I love this. No, that's been a great one. I have some notes too. <laughs> I just like to tell people about things that I think they'll like, you know. So it's like if I if I have something that maybe would bring someone joy, I'm like, here you go. <laughs> Try it. Hey, dying, totally dying to know. Do you have a celebrity that you would like to be your spokesperson? Uh, I think you. I, I was prepared yet unprepared for this question. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a really hard oh. one. I'm like, I know. I, Nobody I comes kind of, to mind? No, I don't know. I'm not really, I don't follow the celebrities all that much. I'm trying to think I'm not your best yeah, it can be somebody in your life. It doesn't have to be someone famous. Just like who who talks about you the best? Yeah. Oh, the most. probably my friend Bronwyn. She's super, super supportive. Like, I feel like once a week she's got something in her Instagram story like, hey, did you guys know this? And like for Christmas, she sent all her family stuff from our company. And she's just she's like a wonderful human on on top of being really supportive. And Is she's she just loving and accepting. She at Bridgetown. Nope, she works no, in she works in medical tech. I know oh. it's a it's a unique name though, but yeah. um yeah, no, she's she's just a really good friend and uh I'm very appreciative of her all the time. She's on my uh taste test team, so nice. I send her stuff and she gives me feedback. <laughs> so she's elevated to celebrity right now. She is <laughs> she's my celebrity. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It was cool to hear your story and hear about your products. And thank you. It's lovely to talk to you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been really fun. I learned so much. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice to get to know you, Ashley. Have a, having you with us is great. Oh, thank you both so much. Well, I hope you guys have a great week in quarantine. Do you have any fun weekend plans? Oh, no. we're working on it. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a lot of projects around our house, which I think a lot of people are. Yeah, this is the time. Yeah. So awesome. now well, we're from. Go ahead. Oh no! Just thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay.
Market of Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery store. With 10 stores in Oregon, it's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious products. We have more than 1,300 teammates, including real, authentic chefs, bakers, butchers, cheesemongers, florists, and more. We all strive to create an authentic, relaxing, and enjoyable shopping experience with our customers and truly care about the communities where our teammates and customers live and work. To find the Marketed Choice nearest you, visit our website at www.marketedchoice.com. At Marketed Choice, we buy local so you can too. We record Nathonia and Marshall live every Friday at 9 a.m. Tune in to StartupRadioNetwork.com to listen or get past episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. And if you want to be a guest on the show, go to StartupRadioNetwork.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Bye, Bye. for now. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.